first, aren't you going to ask me about my breakfast? Damn, I'm slipping. <laughs> what did you do? So I have to cut this piece out, put it at the beginning. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had the same thing I had every day. Two boiled eggs and a cup of vanilla Greek yogurt. And it was delicious. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 112. Joining me for a chat in this episode is Toronto-based artist Ben Van Buskirk, who has just released his new album under the moniker Blackout Orchestra. We talk about Ben's influences and history in various bands, as well as the breakup that caused him to hit rock bottom and nearly ending it all, through to dealing with mental health and his subsequent sobriety that all contributed to creating this music. Ben also shares some tips he's learned about promoting your music as an indie musician, and some methods of avoiding being too critical of yourself while you're creating your art. The Music on Your Own Terms podcast is proud to be sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. In episode 90, I chatted with Craig Dodge about how he makes a living writing music for TV, film, and video games, and how he teaches sync licensing to other musicians via a course he designed for Berkeley as a professor at a local college, and of course with Ignite itself. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at terrace-studios.com or click the link on the Music on Your Own Terms website. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can show your support. Go to the store at store.musiconyourownterms.com and buy some merch. And at the same time, sign up for the mailing list to stay connected. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to get extra content you won't find anywhere else. And finally, head over to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50 and vote for Music on Your Own Terms in their Hot 50 monthly chart. This episode, the suggested artist is Oriana Setz. You may remember we heard from Oriana back in episodes 19 and 58. Oriana has a new single out today, and here she is to talk about it. 
Hi, everybody. My name is Oriana Sitz. I'm a singer-songwriter from Ecuador. Um, I was previously in one of the episodes of Music on Your Own Terms, and, well, today's a special day because I am releasing my new single, Lejos, which means far away. And the story behind the song is that it was written officially for this uh, documentary series called New Zealand Stories. Um, New Zealand Stories um, is a self-produced um, documentary series that talks about the stories of immigrants all around the, the world and right now particularly focusing on New Zealand. So it's been amazing to be able to share my passion for traveling and all my stories about being an immigrant for six years now um, through song, through this purpose of community and these documentaries. Um, so the song is the Lejos is uh, the theme song for this documentary now. Um, it's available now in all digital platforms, or I'm still working on that actually, but right now it's available on YouTube. <laughs> um, distributing companies are having a bit of a moment right now. So um, you can still pre-save uh, the song in my Instagram link can take you to the pre-save links and all that stuff so that you can add your music and that once it's finally released, it's on your playlists. Um, but yeah, I'm just so happy. Thank you so much again for the space. I'm really happy to be back in Music on Your Own Terms. There's so much, so much behind this song, really. I just finished doing a live stream about Lejos and uh, it was great. Um, I had a lot of people asking about lyrics, what it meant, and and where I'm now, what made me travel far away. We share some, some thoughts on what an immigrant, what the word immigrant mean, means to us uh, from the perspective of one and also from the perspective of someone who lives in a country that has lots of immigrants coming. So oh, it's been really amazing. Right now, the first documentary series of New Zealand Stories is available in YouTube. Um, it's really, really touching. Yesterday was the live premiere. We sang, we performed the song with my partner because we co-wrote this song together um, for New Zealand Stories. And uh, the first episode is amazing. It made me cry. Everyone was crying. <laughs> really touching, really moving, beautiful story. You can't miss it, especially with so much craziness going on right now re regarding migrants around the world, uh, particularly in the U.S. at the moment. So, yeah. Um, I'd love you to hear Lejos. Let me know what you think about it. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Oriana Fitz again. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you to Oriana for sharing her music once again. As an immigrant myself, this story and documentary is something I'm very interested in. Take a look at the show notes page because I've added the first episode of New Zealand Stories so you can go watch it and subscribe and see new episodes as they come out. Make sure you go follow Oriana on social media, listen to her episodes, and listen to her music. But now for this episode, here is Oriana Sets with Lejos. Vinimos a buscar un mejor futuro. Llegamos escapando de injusticia y dictadores Dejamos la bandera en manos de nuestros padres Vinimos para andar por las calles seguros, seguros, seguros 
Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Ben Van Buskirk from Blackout Orchestra. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Yourself? I'm doing very well. We've never met before ever. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is brand new and exciting. This is this is not version two because of technological problems. Um, so <laughs> you're yeah, you're ruining it's... the mystique here, man. <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah. So you're coming to us from uh, Toronto. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. Beautiful Toronto, freezing cold. Yeah, it's it's down in the teens down in uh, Texas now. We're having a cold snap. It's not good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's find out about Blackout Orchestra. What do you do and, uh, you know, how did the band start? Oh, well, originally this was kind of a just a project to keep myself busy during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a new phone and it finally had the ability to, to record decently on a recording app so I thought I'd do some acoustic demos and put one out once a week and I did that for about six weeks and uh, as I was writing the songs I it became clear to me that there was sort of a a larger narrative and uh, more that I had to express Mm. and uh, at that point I decided well forget it I'm making a record awesome 
So you, you play acoustic guitar and, and do you do any uh, electronic stuff or is it just basically an acoustic project or? Um, it, it depends on, on each song. I uh, do use some synths. Uh, I've been doing some drum programming. Uh, on the record that we're putting out, most of it, it's trying to sound mostly natural. Mm-hmm. But I've uh, I've got a lot of other things that are just sort of experiments, you know, Tom Yorkish skittery right. electronics that I've been really interested in, just learning that side of things. So Okay, cool. So let's let's delve, you know, into uh, your past. You know, where did you start getting into music and why did you decide to kind of pick up an instrument? Uh, music was always a lifelong love. We had a Yamaha keyboard in the house growing up that I would pluck around on all day. And uh, I loved movie scores, especially. But uh, I think it was probably discovering, like a lot of people, uh, Nirvana mm-hmm. when I was probably 13 or 14. When uh, it just hearing what was basically poetry put to to this sound that was raw and, and punctuated by the music. Uh, it hit me like nothing else had ever hit me before. Mm. And uh, and the idea that you can just put a few chords together and and vomit your feelings out over top <laughs> of them and you can have a song um, it was really inspiring. So I started messily at first trying to learn that, and it's been a, a couple of decades now. Awesome. And then you've been in a couple of bands one is dearly bereft and then green girl uh where, whereabouts in the timeline do they kind of fall and, and tell us about those they were both uh they started around the same time uh i think it was around 2015 if i'm not mistaken uh dearly bereft was kind of a one-off project uh, my father had passed away yeah, sorry to hear that and uh a group of friends we um, got together that night and went to an open mic because I just didn't know what else to do with myself and you know we played some songs together played some covers and it just felt really good to be with people and uh, and going through that Mm. so we decided to get together and write some songs um, largely about death in sort of not a, a morbid way but how mortality affects us and moving on from it and it was kind of like a therapy session which in retrospect, all the music that I write kind of is my own little therapy uh, session. But that was uh, that was just a great project, and and it gained a little bit of traction here. So it was mm-hmm. exciting to see people actually hearing and responding to uh, music we had made for the first time. And Green Girl was a friend of mine who was in a band with me way way back in probably ninety nine or two thousand. Uh, my friend Bryn had uh, written some songs, and she had just come back to Toronto, and she reached out to me and said, "I'd." out of everyone I'd, I'd like to make music with you because i thought we made good music together and mm. uh, i was happy that my role in that was really just to serve her um songs and her vision uh, because she she's brilliant and an amazing lyric writer and amazing songwriter awesome and so is it just you in blackout orchestra or do you have you have somebody else playing with you it's uh it depends on the iteration uh when i started doing the demos um my partner morgan uh, was staying with me at the time at the beginning of the lockdown for the pandemic. Mm. Uh, so I would ask her to sing on a lot of the stuff because she always she has a great voice and makes everything sound better. Um, when it came time to record the album, she had some family things and um, so she couldn't be here and getting together off and on would have been difficult because of all of the steps with lockdown and, and you know the isolation and all of that. Mm. So that was mostly a solo project. I managed to, to get her to sing on a couple of the songs, but most of it I recorded on my own. But we played a few live streams as a duo, uh, and I think it sounds really good that way. I love uh, her voice and everything she contributes, and 
eventually I'd like to have it be kind of a collective. So, you know, sometimes it's a five piece band, but if not everyone's available, it can be the duo or I can play solo and have it be a little more formless, but also a little more collaborative. Awesome. And they, uh, yeah, I mean that, that kind of uh, idea does speak to, uh, you know, having multiple versions of music and, and having it be a little more organic. So have you, have you ever uh, toyed with like sync licensing? Because multiple versions lend themselves very well to, to being able to license a, you know, a, an a instrumental track or electronic version or, you know, a, a, any, any idea you come up with can be remixed for, for some, some other cue for a movie or something. So have you ever like dug into that? Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I haven't looked into it too uh, extensively for, for this project yet. Um, but I do love, I love movie scores, uh, and I'm a versions guy. I love hearing the acoustic version of a song and the right. strings version and the, you know, a- any given remix or cover. Um, so it's definitely something I'd like to look into at some point, uh, down the line. I always have a few versions and a few alternate mixes of songs for any given song. Awesome. Um, but it's, uh, it just seems a little overwhelming to look into when I'm, I'm still trying to learn the ropes. Right. Yeah, it, there's there's a lot out there to, to, to kind of figure out when you're releasing music, for sure. If you don't mind, I mean, my uh, podcast obviously is about mental health as well. Could you talk about the subject matter of the new album? I read on your bio you something about a breakup and alcoholism and depression. Would you mind talking through that? Uh, absolutely, I would love to, and <laughs> because I feel it's important to talk about. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, the, all of these songs, they came out... Um, I had been in a relationship that, uh, and this isn't saying anything about the person I was in a relationship with, but we were toxic for each other. Uh, We were both suffering from depression, but it manifested in very different ways. Mm. We both had anxiety. We were both heavy drinkers. And when you get two depressed drinkers together in a relationship, it can and often does go very, uh, it gets pretty messy. Mm-hmm. And eventually, after a couple of years, that relationship ended. And for me, that was rock bottom because at that point, I hadn't been addressing my mental health. I had been drinking more and more. And uh, it came to a point one night where I was um, after the breakup and it was a long walk home from a bar. And I had to pass by her house and it looked like she probably had someone over. And I was drunk and I uh, at some point got near my house and there's some train tracks that run behind my house. I started walking along them and thought I should just uh, lay down and, and let it happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, some voice of self-preservation in my head said, you know, you idiot, if you, if you really want to kill yourself, you can do it tomorrow when you're sober. Go home and go to sleep and figure that out tomorrow. And um, when I woke up, I realized what a moment that had been and how close I came. And uh, I knew I needed help, and I had a couple of friends that uh, saw that I was suffering, and they helped me really reassess my life, really helped me put things in perspective, and uh, put me on a budget, and put me on a, a healthy eating plan, and suggested I, uh, I don't drink during the week and only drink on weekends. Mm-hmm. And I got to that first weekend, and uh, already I was the difference I was feeling um, in having some control over my life and uh, and being able to function in my given day-to-day. I decided I would push it and see how long I could push it. And now uh, I'm a year and a half in and uh, I've pushed it pretty far and I'm, 
I'm quite happy about it. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you for, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. So the um, huh? the whole concept of the album is is based on that experience. I did see one video, and I see the uh, freaky looking rabbit head staring directly at me now. <laughs> and what what was the video? And and what's can you talk about the uh, you know the concept behind the uh, the story of that song? Yeah, absolutely. the uh, The song is called uh, "Nowhere Near the Looking Glass." And it's uh, in the record, the way the record's sort of structured, side A is hitting bottom and side B is climbing back up. Mm. And that's at the end of side, very close to the end of side A. So it's pretty much the hitting rock bottom. Uh, It's a song basically about when you're addicted to something and be it alcohol or, or be it a relationship that's not healthy the choice that you make when you know it's, it's not going to end well, but you're, whatever you're getting out of it or whatever pleasure it's giving you, you know you're going to ride it out to that end, even though it's going to be a, a bitter end, and you mm-hmm. sort of make that choice consciously. Um, so that's very much what the, um, the song was about. It's a little bleak. Uh, the, it, does, it does get better from there, I promise. And the video itself was, uh, I mean, it's a little fantastical. I don't want to claim it's too, um, too deep. But it's sort of about the cycle of abuse and how about the pain that you inflict on others, whether knowingly or not. It's something that they carry on to other people or can carry on to other people. So you really need to be careful about how you treat people and how you treat yourself. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's a great uh, great concept, and uh, you know the the video's well done as well. So um, I did like your. Uh, how how you'd put together your um your press kit for the for the release so i wondered if you could uh, talk you know talk through some of the things you've learned and maybe uh, give some advice of you know what what you need to get ready for when you launch um, an album or a single or something like that yeah i, I think um I, I mean i can't speak too uh too expertly about it i'm uh, i'm new at this myself and i'm learning the ropes as we go What's really helped me is being deliberate and taking time. Uh, This album, for example, I I had this all done, mixed, and mastered in September and uh, planned to, from early on, planned to release it in March. And the reason for that was so that I had time to put together some videos and to put together sort of a plan of how I wanted to present it and... um, really think about all of that. I wanted to be able to send the press kit out in advance so that um, depending on, on schedules of the the outlets that I was pitching to basically, um, you know, where they could fit us in. And for months before that, I'd just taken notice on social media or other bands that I like and seeing what, um, you know, what podcasts or what uh, sites and blogs had featured them. Uh, and which ones I liked the writing of and which ones I'd like to, you know, would be interested in, in, in working with. And I've made notes of them. I made a little list of, uh, of people to contact, how they prefer to be contacted, whether it's on their website or through email and just try to be as deliberate, like I said, um, as possible, because then you know what you're doing when you're going out there. For sure. And I think for, for a lot of young bands, you know, we're just a baby band, but I've been in bands previous and, it's important to remember that in, in some ways it's a numbers game. Not everybody's going to like your stuff and not, not everybody's going to want to feature or review your stuff. But I probably sent out about 200 emails and got, you know, X number of replies. It was 
statistically low, but uh, but then it's the people who liked it liked it, and uh, and when you look at uh, our social media or something like that, you'll see that there it looks like we're getting a lot of attention because of that, mm. and we we are getting out to a lot of new ears because of that. So having that deliberateness and not understanding rejection and dealing with uh, with the fact that you're not going to be number one priority on everybody's list, but some people will be interested in what you're doing and, and not letting it discourage you. Oh, absolutely. And it, it reminds me of a, uh, a video that I watched of Jack Conti, the uh, founder of Patreon. Towards the end, he was talking about funnels and how everything is a funnel. You know, you, you have, like you, like your experience, you, you have to send out, a th- let's say, a thousand emails and you might get, you know, a hundred replies and then from that hundred replies, you get 10 actual like confirmed books, you know, bookings. So I think if you just, if you just stay, you know, consistent, persistent and hit as many, as many people as you possibly can, you'll, you'll end up getting some traction one way or the other. So one thing I did want to ask is uh, given this is, you know, this project is kind of a, a result of a particular period in your Mm -hmm. life, let's say, um, is there a long-term plan for this? Like, is it going to be other music that comes out under this name? Or do you have, are you kind of like a, um, more a fan of different projects with different names? Uh, in the, I think this is going to be ongoing. This record is definitely about a specific period of my life. and mm. But it's also, I started this project with the idea of uh, originally the Putting out the song a week was the idea to write a song in any genre that I wanted. It didn't have to be consistent and it didn't have to be based on a specific theme. So I think Blackout Orchestra will be the name of what I put out, whatever it is. But maybe the next one will be a dance record or maybe it'll be, you know, something solely or Motowny. And uh, who knows? It depends what I'm feeling at the time. And uh, I've always liked bands and projects that are willing to take a, a left turn or or evolve and change as they go along i think if you're staying doing one thing you're it can become stagnant if you're uh if you're not feeling it and you're just doing it to uh to fit in with what you've defined yourself as i think as a band and, and as a person you're always changing so your your music should absolutely and i think you know in the in the in the olden days you know back, back in the day the uh I think there was a, a conformity because of the way that the label business model was set up. You had to have an album of songs that sounded, you know, co- coherent. But to the, in today's world where we have streaming for good or bad, you know, you have the luxury of releasing a single once a week, once a month, however, and it can be whatever you want because it's going to fit into somebody's playlist or somebody's listening where, you know, wherever they are and it's actually not it doesn't really matter if you know fan a likes song two but they like song one you know you're gonna you actually might end up getting more fans that like different things from your catalog and then you know collectively they all support you but in terms of being an artist i I think yeah just that that's it's more more for me it's more important to get your emotion and what you're trying to say out in the in the way that you want to say it than saying uh, you know i'm a punk artist and that's all i do i think that's kind of close honestly i think i find that kind of a closed-minded kind of attitude yeah i agree uh, and th- traditionally i mean really it's it's bands that i love have have just not 
worry too much about it either way. If you take a band like, say, The Cure, mm. you know, and you take their early albums, Pornography or 17 Seconds, they're uh, bleak and very post-punk or goth and, and fairly dark. And then you, less than a decade later, you have Love Cats and it's this stupid, cute pop song. And it was, and to me, it's not incoherent because it's still Robert Smith's voice. It's still his general sensibility. So I think that, that artists should be less worried about defining themselves and, and defining their sound because your sensibilities and, and what you bring to it, regardless of genre, are going to help make it coherent. It's still going to be your voice as long as you're being authentic. Absolutely. Yeah, I like to go to a, a segment called the non-quick fire round. So I, I ask a series of questions to, to every guest. So the first one is, what resource, and that could be a book, podcast, a blog, uh, would you recommend to artists, you know, looking to be maybe successful or just, just looking to release their art well? What I'd suggest in particular that's really helped me with this release uh, in the lead up, here in Toronto, there's a music festival called Indie Week, mm-hmm. but they, they have a website, IndieWeek.com, and they have been doing Indie Weekly, which are these free seminars on a different topic related to being an independent DIY artist. So there's how to promote your release or how to book your own tour and, and things like that. And they'll have a couple of experts on and it'll be moderated by, by Daryl Hers, who, who runs Indie Week. And attending those and, and learning all of that, how to market yourself on social media, how to, you know, th- there's a huge number of topics and they were doing one a week. It's a great free resource to look into as a, as a new band and get a lot of really, really good ideas and advice from, uh, from people who know what they're talking about. Killer. What what is one piece of advice you would give a musician? Normally, I say looking to make a living, but I'd like to ask you: What is one piece of advice you would like you give a musician to get their art out and get their, you know, their their true kind of emotion out into into whatever art medium that they're going for? Don't think. I think if you think too hard about something, you know, you you stop yourself. You become an editor. And you can be an editor later on in the process. But when you're first writing a song or you're first um, you know, putting something together, it's best to not think because usually the things that you're scared about putting out there or that you think are stupid or silly, or those are your best ideas. Those are the things that people are going to relate to because it's what's most authentically you or most, um, most vulnerable. So just try not to think too hard, period. Try not to think if, at all if you can, and then you can go back and edit later. Absolutely. Great advice. Yeah, no, I, I've done that too. Is like I, I've trying to put like a guitar track down and I know what I want to do in my head or what I think I want to do and I'll record it and I, I don't quite get what I'm looking for. And then I'll I'll shelve it for a couple of days or weeks and I'll go back and I'm like, that's not half bad. You know, I might I might work with that a bit more and then, you know, something else comes out of it. So yeah, that's that's excellent advice. Oh, absolutely. Half the songs on my record are, are happy accidents just because I'm not a great player. <laughs> so, you know, I'll mess up and I'll be like, hey, that sounded pretty cool. Mm. Uh, I guess it's there now. And I'll, I'll work around it. And uh, and sometimes it leads to really great ideas. Yeah. Sometimes it's terrible and you have to hit the trash button. But most of the time, it's it's pretty decent. The, the, the trouble you run into is like, oh, what what actually did I play there? I'm not even sure what I <laughs> like, did. For for the live streams, I was trying to relearn some of the songs. I'm like, where did I put that capo? Was that right. string out of tune? Is that why that made that note? Because I can't seem to find it now. Right. <laughs> like, it's fun though. It's it's a challenge. Absolutely. 
I challenged my future self. Right. So what significant negative experience uh, have you overcome and what did that teach you? Well, I guess the negative experience would be would be the alcoholism. Mm. <laughs> um, and having overcome that uh, in... I mean, it's always a, you know, a process. It's always something that you have to be conscious of. But um, realizing I had more control over my life than I gave myself credit for. I think uh, I used to go to drinking or, or procrastinating or any sort of negative habit because I felt that I was at the whims of the universe and I was overwhelmed, so I had to find some escape. And uh, when I stopped drinking, I realized how much... You can't control external factors, but how much you can control your reactions to them. Mm. And uh, and it really taught me. It, and, and even as an artist, it then learning to play the hand you're dealt and and play it as best you can is is pretty important to surviving in in music or in any kind of art form. Absolutely, thank you. Um, what major positive experience has given you the the push to to follow this journey? Ah, positive experience. I I think it was. With the band, the Dearly Bereft, the previous band, we put out a song and a and, uh, music video, and the response to it was really overwhelmingly positive. And it was something that I had, you know, written in my basement about some sad bastard thing I was going through and, and not thinking that anyone would ever hear it. Mm. And realizing that you that there were other people who were feeling like I felt and, and the idea that maybe I had uh, helped them or brought them some comfort... Now that I know how that feels, I, I have to keep doing it. <laughs> That's fantastic. And yeah, to touch on that a little bit, it just kind of sparked my my uh, mind from turning over. I've, I've always been, as someone who struggled with depression and anxiety, I've always kind of, I've always gone for the more lower key kind of minor, doomy, some metal, some, you know, melancholy stuff, just, just because it resonates with me on an emotional level. But it got me to thinking that, you know, I think no matter what genre it is, I think it, music that speaks to the to the emotions of of you know grief or or anxiety, depression, all that, all the negative kind of emotions, I think it's because as a species, we don't really deal with, you know, the the darker side of our of our psyche too well. We you know a lot of people want to be happy and they they go towards the happy music and stuff like that but i think it resonates more with people when it's it's dealing with those emotions i i'm you know this is just me spitballing um but i i think that people do tend to not deal with their emotions particularly well and you know those types of feelings in music and art in general just maybe make people deal with it subconsciously a little better uh i would definitely agree with that i am um, i've always failed listening to to music that you know it's sad or or angry or it, it's been cathartic for me uh it's, it's always helped me through something it's not a, it, some people are like oh why do you want to wallow in it if you're feeling mm -hmm. bad put on something happy and and i don't want to hear happy i want i want to move through those emotions and even with this record uh you know, I was I was getting my life together. I was getting sober, and I had this new fun recording equipment to play with, and For sure. it was actually a really positive time. But I think that um, I hadn't consciously dealt with a lot of the sort of trauma from what I had gone through for the couple of years previous. And it, 
just kind of accidentally came out through the writing because that's what I needed to process. And I think that music lets you do that. I think it lets you access things that you try to maybe consciously not deal with or suppress in, in, Mm. I I think it makes you a better human. (laughs) Absolutely. Final question is what does music mean to you? Everything. Um, (laughs) I eat, sleep and breathe music. I'm, I always have music on. I often, I'm watching TV. It's, it's music documentaries. If I'm reading a book, it's 90% of the time going to be music biographies. Um, it's just the, the, the best language that I know of for, for any type of emotion. So if you're, if you're an emotional person in any way, and I think most people are, I, how, I don't see how anyone could ever live without music. I mean, they don't necessarily need to bury themselves in it the way I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, I think that it's an important, uh, an important part for anybody to, uh, to really live a whole life and to really be able to have a full range of expression, even if it's making a, a mixtape or a playlist for someone, you know, it's, it's going to express it better than words can often. Totally agree. Awesome. Um, and if people want to get in touch or they want to find, you know, find out about your music and, and listen to it, where can they go? Uh, we don't have a website, which is something I should probably remedy at some point. Um, but we're on all the socials. Uh, there aren't very many blackout orchestras out there, so uh, we should be pretty easy to find. Instagram is my favorite one. I've been um, very surprised by the sense of community there mm. with other artists and uh, and other creative people. I've never been a social media guy, and I was like, oh, I guess we have to make an Instagram because bands need Instagram. Mm. And I ended up loving it, and, and I spend a lot of time on there talking with other people, getting you know, collaborating on things or thinking about... Uh, you know, where we're at and giving each other advice. And, and it's a great support network if you're, a, uh, you know, a new DIY artist. There's a lot of other people there who have other things to share with you who uh, who are going through it too. So Fantastic. And then I'll, I'll link all that up in the show notes for the episode. Um, and then finally, sure. what song would you like to play at the end? I would be Nothing But Blue Skies. Awesome. Uh, that's the uh, the last song on the record. And I think it encapsulates it pretty well. Um, it was written, I had uh, been out recording a different song that's not on the record. That was a very sad bastard, breakup, she done me wrong kind of song. And uh, I really enjoyed recording it. But when I got home, I, I'd been thinking about it. And I, after singing those lyrics, I thought, that's not really how I feel anymore. Mm. You know, that was a rough thing to go through for both of us. I'm feeling better now. My life is a lot better now past it, but I don't regret having gone through it and I I hope you feel the same and if you don't then you know just keep holding on because you will Uh, and it was a it was that moment of clarity for me that moved past it and that I felt compassion for for the person who I felt had hurt me Mm. so I think I think it's uh it's one of the most literal songs I've written but one of my favorites for that reason awesome nice way to end it Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time and uh, chatting with me today. It was really fun. Um, we got through a second <laughs> second round. Hopefully, everything recorded this <laughs> yeah. time. So, um, continued success and uh, yeah, please stay in touch. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you putting in twice the work. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so that other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing.
The more the musicians' community collectively learns, the stronger we will all become. A rising tide lifts all ships. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Ben Van Buskirk, also known as Blackout Orchestra, with Nothing But Blue Skies. Hey 